that feeling, like you were saying, a- anything is possible when you left the office for the last time. What what does that feel like in your body? How do you describe that emotion? Yeah. So even as I, as I think about it right now, there's there's like a, it's almost like the butterflies in the stomach, but it's more in my chest. It's more like wow. this this giddy this giddiness, this like uh, open chestedness where I, I naturally find my 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 chest opening, sort of my my shoulder blades going back, huh. and and it's really like um, it's like a. a like both a, a relaxed feeling in my body, but also excitement. It's like a, a relaxed mm. excitement. Welcome, beautiful thinkers. So that's a clip from this interview with S.A. Sanchez talking about his experience when he finally decided to leave his office job as, well, he's leave his job as a massage therapist and go on to become a life coach, which is what this interview is about. Now, I noticed this looking on S.A.'s site I found his description of his services here. And he's talking about how people put on masks or they try to be perfect in their everyday life. And he says this this transactional dialogue as an example. How are you? Good. You? Good. Oh, good. (laughs) That says it all. There's no realness, no vulnerability, no humanness in that. And that's the way many of us live. We live wearing masks trying to be good and impress others. We put so much energy into being a certain way to avoid rejection and attract love, only that even if our mask earns us approval, we still feel lonely and empty inside because deep down we know it's not us who's receiving the love. We still fear, would they love me if they knew what I am really like? Coaching is a space for you to show up fully as yourself. No need to impress me. No need to earn my approval. You're not paying me to compliment you or look good to me. You've got Facebook and friends for that. No, you're coming for psychological air. Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, called empathy psychological air. And he said that after physical survival, the next most important and demanding human need is what he called psychological survival or the experience of being validated, acknowledged, seen, understood, and even celebrated as we are. And I agree. So that's what S.A. has got on his site there as part of his description of his services as a life coach. So we talk about the transition, how he actually knew that he wanted to be a life coach even before he knew there was such a term as life coach being a healer in other modalities such as Reiki and and massage and yeah remember to check out Ezekiel's website it's S.A. Sanchez E-Z-E-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z dot com and my website of course beautifulpodcast.com and let's begin So I'm here with life coach and nonviolent communication specialist Ezekiel Sanchez. How are you? Um, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here, Kurt. Great. So you're going to tell us a story about changing careers. Now, you can think of a time where you had a, a regular routine. You were working as a massage therapist. Tell me what life was like at that time. 
Yeah, so life was very uh, go, 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 sort of like I would get up, maybe it was somewhere between five and six, and I would, I would go and cook, and then I would mm. pack everything in a rush, I would run out the door, get there, maybe a few minutes to spare, do my massages, come home at night, wash my dishes, maybe have a little bit of time, go to bed, and kind of start it all over. Now, luckily, I only did that uh, three or four days a week. Uh, but mm. those three or four days a week were very much go, 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 go. Right. Well, it's kind of weird because, um, of course, when a lot of people think about massages, they think about relaxing. But I, I guess it's not like that from the therapist side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, because now in the coaching that I do, I, I actually have a client who's a, who's a massage therapist. This is also <laughs> not his uh, not his perspective, not his experience. Ah, okay. So why was it so intense for you? Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, in, in order to, to, to like do the number of, of hours or massages that, you know, I had some flexibility with my schedule, but in order to make it work for me in terms of, of driving to my work and doing that to fit in the number of massages, uh, you know, it took up a good portion of my day. And because I like to eat home cooked meals and I sort of needed to do breakfast, lunch, and sometimes even dinner, cook them all in the morning. And so that would take a pretty mm. good amount of time. So by the time then I was getting back home, you know, doing regular maintenance, like showering and cleaning the dishes, then there was, there was quite little time before then I needed to go to bed to get enough rest to do it all over again the next day. Right. I, I guess this is part of the Hare Krishna tradition. Like you want to make sure that the person who prepares your food does it with love, right? Well, I, I, uh, that's that's certainly a nice uh, a nice aspiration to aim for <laughs> to 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 aim to do it with love. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the consciousness that I'm in, but it's at least an intention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But I know that being a massage therapist, it, it can also be like there's a lot of physical exertion because you you do have to use all kinds of muscles to to try to relax other people's muscles. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, luckily I was I was taught to be a lazy therapist, which which means to, <laughs> to leverage my own weight, my own body weight with body mechanics. But yeah, I mean, right. certainly, certainly, it's not uh, even with that in mind. It's not sitting at a desk. It it is certainly if if at the very least it's standing in various different postures and leaning weight here and there. So yeah, it, it certainly is more more exerting than than sitting. Yeah, yeah. So. What what changed in your mind that you decided to want to take a different direction in your career? Yeah, so so actually I I knew that I wanted to be a life coach before I started studying massage. I just I didn't know what the word was. I didn't know that there was a name for it and I didn't know that it was necessarily possible. But mm. I would find myself even so before massage I I was actually doing reiki. I was doing energy healing type of work and sometimes mm. I would have sessions with people where we wouldn't get to do to the actual uh, energy healing components kind of just mm. in talking with me, people would have these profound transformations. And I remember thinking, wow, I really wish that we could just do that without needing to say that we're going to do Reiki, that we could just say, ah, oh, let's, let's talk and, and, mm. and have that be the main theme. But I, I didn't know that there was, that there was a name for it in, in the, in the way that I wanted to experience it. And it was by the third day of, of my massage program, I met somebody there who was a life coach. And then it all kind of clicked into place. Ah, I know that that's where I ultimately want to end up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted the massage, the body work to inform my 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 work as a coach. But it was mm. really, really, um, what, would it, what would it be like four years before I made the transition? Already, I knew that I wanted to go in that direction. Mm. So how, um, it's a bit difficult for me to imagine. How could your massage therapy inform what you wanted to do as a coach? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I love the body as a technique for bringing somebody into the present moment, kind of that like the mind and then as a connection, the emotions, they can exist. Really, my experience is they usually exist mostly in either the past or the present, though that the body really it can only exist right now. Like for sure, it can hold trauma from the past, but that the Mm. trauma is always experienced in this moment. And so that's Mm. one way whereby supporting someone to like make contact with, for example, the sensations in their body or to notice where they're holding tension and perhaps bring awareness and relaxation there, that then we can shift the focus into the present moment. This Mm. is one such way that my body work background informs my coaching work. Okay, this sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So talking to one of your clients, that seed was planted in in your mind. What what was your thought process at that point? You you mean when I when I decided when I was in massage school that I wanted to be a coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I, I remember asking this this um it was it was somebody that was um what was it, it was they were shadowing the program they were sort of seeing uh, what the massage program was like they ultimately didn't take the course they were just seeing what the program was like and. Yeah, I just remember asking them, oh, okay, you're a coach. That's what I want to do. What do I do? And then, okay, his advice was, well, you need to get certified. That People value that. So you need to you need to have a certification first. So I kind of mm-hmm. said, well, I, I don't have a certification and I'm not really sure where I would get one. So I kind of, I kind of uh, put it in the back of my mind, even though I, I knew that's the direction that I wanted to go in. And actually through massage school and through some continuing education afterwards, I, I came into the work of nonviolent communication. And, mm-hmm. and that's what started the foundation of, of my training as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a bit about nonviolent communication? Yeah. So nonviolent communication, the, the acronym is NVC. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's called compassionate communication. For me, it has been an absolutely transforming work where it's, it's often presented uh, it's often presented as a, like a communication skill set because, okay, the name is nonviolent communication, but actually the, the very creator of, of this modality, he, he said that it was really a, a spiritual practice that included a way of communicating, that sort of any relationship includes communication, so any way of being will ultimately have an influence on the way of communication that we can mm-hmm. see our our language as, as an indicator of our consciousness, where the primary focus is, is nonviolent consciousness. And so the idea is how to experience the world in a way that I don't contribute to violence and mm. contributing to violence could be overt physical violence, sort of like how you and I might traditionally think, but it's also the kind of violence that, that makes people suffer psychologically and emotionally. And there's there's some nuances that that, that we could go into if if, if we want to talk more about NBC. But the the general premise is to be very clear with what am I feeling and what am I wanting, and what's what's the reality that is that is stimulating this in me, and mm. to differentiate that 
from my thinking and my interpretations, which is where we tend to create a lot of messiness in relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how long were you a massage therapist? Okay, um, I was a massage therapist for about four years. I would say, okay, since I graduated, it, it was three and a half years. And I worked, uh, so I was working at a physical therapy office. So I was, I was doing very medically oriented uh, massage. That was sort of like my niche or my specialty. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was there for slightly over three years. Hmm. And then, uh, so you, you you knew for years that you you wanted to be a life coach. The, what what was it that led you to like take the leap? Yeah, it, it was uh, you know what is it? I think Tony Robbins who would say we need uh, inspiration or desperation uh, <laughs> in order to be motivated. And uh, in a way, it, it was it was the, the desperation of of really how miserable I was in not doing what I love. And it's not that like. You know, it was a, a bad place or that I hate massage. Like, I, I think it's it's a wonderful modality. It's a wonderful way to contribute to people. I, I still see mm. so much value in it. And I, I still use that skill set with friends and family, for example. Mm. But it, it was in, in not being alive in what I consider to be truly my gift to give and share and contribute to the world through the communication and through the coaching work that I do. So it was really being disconnected from what I would say is my own personal purpose or my own personal sense of, of, of meaning and, and contribution to the world that ultimately right. inspired me. Well, th this is very interesting because I know I'm sure there are millions of people in the world who feel like that, but they, they, maybe they have that feeling and they don't know what to do with it. So how do you think you, how did you do introspection on, on that feeling or that thought? And, and how did you find out how to, take action on it yeah yeah i i love the question part of it because because in a way i this was the second time that i took this big leap of faith the first yeah. time was what would it be maybe some six years prior to that when i was i was actually studying mechanical engineering and i was i was doing my bachelor's i was doing my master's at the same time i i was a paid intern i had a position more or less lined up for when i graduated i was on the quote unquote, fast track to mainstream or, or conventional success, mm -hmm. only that I was miserable. And at that point, I, I also took a leap. I, I left everything. I, I was getting paid to go to college through the different scholarships and grants that I had. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, I just could, couldn't bear it, really. It was like it, it really wasn't me. And when that became apparent, I took a big leap. I, I left college. I, I quit my job. I, I left the country. I went in pursuit of of something with meaning. I, I actually went to, to Peru to find some shamans who might be able to help me find clarity. Wow. So in a way, this decision to leave the massage therapy place was already informed by the fact that I had taken a big leap in the past and it had really made my life a whole lot more wonderful. So that mm. was one part. And then the other part was, was also working with my own coach. Sort of like a, a big philosophy for me is that, yeah, to, to really be a an impactful coach that it makes sense for me to have a coach for me to walk my, my talk. And mm -hmm. so it, really I've, I've had, uh, I had three coaches and so to working with them sometimes at the same time, sometimes at different times, you know, to really begin forming what, what might be called my exit strategy, how to work. Cause like my own psychophysical nature is that 
I'm really scared of, of change. I'm really scared of transition and I mm -hmm. need so much predictability. So for me, it was working out with, okay, this is my plan and this is my backup plan and this is my backup backup plan and this is plan D and plan E. <laughs> I remember having, it was like, yeah, maybe three to five plans for what happens if shit hits the fan. And then what happens if then more shit hits the fan? What happens if that doesn't work also? And that was sort of this, the, the, the mental of um, safety net that I needed to really hold my hand and walk myself through the process of, okay, here it's time. And I remember when I, when I left, when I walked out the doors that final time, there was this amazing feeling of me of, of life is amazing and the world is wonderful and anything <laughs> is possible. Wow. And that was very different from how I felt for the three and a half years prior when I was working or the three years that I was working there where I was, it seemed so impossible, so far out of reach. So it, it really took me that time to mentally uh, work my way to it. And for sure, working with, with my coaches helped me to expedite that so much. Wow. Well, I, I imagine that part of the reason you felt that is because you were doing something that was contrary to your nature, being so afraid of change, and you decided to take this big change. Do you think that was an element or, or what, what other elements were there? Yeah, I, I would say that this was a factor where I would sometimes get into the mindset that I'm also very extremist, paradoxically, mm. like mm. it's all or nothing, it's black or white. And so I kind of got in the mindset that I just need to quit now and go full force into my coaching. And that, that was enough to terrify me and to want to say, no, 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 don't do coaching. That's a bad idea. And <laughs> so ultimately what I realized through working with, with my coaches and, and doing some self-coaching also was really that I needed to work at a pace that worked for all parts of me, not just for the part of me that was really eager to go, but it also mm. needed to work for the part of me that really wants safety and predictability, which was, again, doing a more of a, a gradual transition. So I, I was already seeing coaching clients and and I even supplemented, so to speak, my work by also seeing some private massage clients. That was a, yeah. a step like a middle step that I that I took was, OK, at the very least, if I'm doing massage on my own, I'm at least you know closer to being self-employed as a coach, because at least mm -hmm. I'm self-employed with coaching and massage. So it was really taking all of those intermediate steps to to go um, slow enough to ease my anxiety about making such a profound change. Wow, that's a, that's a, such a great point because yeah, like like I said, there must be so many people out there afraid to to make the jump, and if there is a way to do it step by step, that that makes it so it looks so much more achievable from that perspective. Yeah, actually, you know, as you say that, I love it. I, I can see the contrast between the first time when I did it, it was very abrupt. I mean, I had the job, I had the school, I had the grants, I had like the straight A's and mm -hmm. I just I just uh, stopped going to class. I left, I, I allowed myself to fail those, like those classes. I didn't withdraw, left the country. It was very much a, a very non-gradual uh, change. <laughs> and that's probably something that contributed to that not being sustainable. Ultimately, I, I didn't find sort of a, a, a new sustainable sense of direction. Eventually, I came into into spirituality, into Reiki and energy work and things like this, though that took me back to, okay, going back to my parents and, and then not really having a sustainable income until I went back to massage and sort of tried it again. So I actually, I'm, I'm realizing how 
how crucial the the gradual transition was for me in order to make it uh, sustainable. Yeah, that's great. I I, I want to get back to uh, that feeling, like you were saying, a- anything is possible when you left the office for the last time. What what does that feel like in your body? How do you describe that emotion? Yeah, so even as I as I think about it right now, there's there's like uh, it's almost like the butterflies in the stomach, but it's more in my chest. It's more like wow. this this giddy this giddiness, this like uh, open chestedness, where I, I naturally find my 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 chest opening, sort of my my shoulder blades going back, huh. and and it's really like um, it's like a. a like both a, a relaxed feeling in my body, but also excitement. It's like a, a relaxed mm. excitement more than like an anxious excitement. Okay, that's really cool. <laughs> All right. So, so what was the uh, um, that that time when you transitioned to being a, a life coach? It was, it was uh, much smoother than than the first time you made this big change. But what what were the challenges that came up? The second time, what were the challenges? Yeah, still that the came second up? time, yeah. So, so still the fear, because you know, even though it was gradual, the fear was very much uh, still there, which is really what what made it so that it took me three years instead of maybe one year or six months to make the change. So the fear was still uh, was still very much there, and so much of it, I would I would say, would be to to keep with it, to to be consistent, and not to withdraw my choice. Where, mm-hmm. yeah, I I may have had the thought of, well, maybe I should go back until until I'm until things are more more secure, until I'm, I'm more confident, until things are more stable with with the coaching. But mm-hmm. really, in a way, staying there was holding me back from giving fully to my coaching practice. That in a right. way, I had enough of a safety net by doing the massage therapy job, where where I didn't really need to be successful as a coach. Now I, I still had some clients. But really, my practice uh, really bloomed when I was able to dedicate a hundred percent of my energy to my practice. Hmm. Okay. With the fear, what what do you do with the fear? Like when you when you feel afraid, do you take action? Do you do you stop and take a breath? What do you do with that? Yeah. yeah. So what's what I've ha- found to be the most helpful, and so I, I shared about how so much of the work that I do is NVC. And one of the premises of NVC is to focus on needs, needs being what, yeah. what, what am I wanting in this moment in a way that's more connected to the quality of what I'm wanting as opposed to like a particular strategy. So what I mean, like that maybe what I'm wanting is a sense of security rather yeah. than like one particular strategy for security might be to have a, a paycheck, a regular paycheck, or maybe if it's like in an interpersonal relationship, security might mean like, reassurance that I'm loved. So the idea of, of being connected with what's the quality, what's what's the value, the life value, the, the, the quality of desire that I'm wanting to connect. And mm-hmm. fear is a great signal for there's something that's very important to me that I'm not getting. And so that, that was what um, was really helpful for me was connecting with, okay, what, what's the fear about? What's the fear pointing me to? So sometimes the fear was pointing me to Okay, I I, I want to feel more confident in in what I'm doing, and so okay, one particular way that I then found worked for me to cultivate confidence was then to regularly continue my education. Not that like, well, okay, I already have my certification in coaching and I have this background, mm. so that's good enough. 
but to be in an ongoing learning process so much contributed to my confidence of knowing okay even if i'm not at a particular level of 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 skill of knowledge of mastery to create success i know that eventually i will get there because i'm constantly learning i'm constantly growing that was one such thing another was what i mentioned earlier about creating those backup plans that's something that going back to those okay even if things go terrible and then I have to use my savings and then I find, OK, I'm I'm nose diving and it's just not working. OK, then I get a part time job here to help me stretch that out. And and so having those things in place and referencing them, going back to them. OK, this is the backup plan. If things go worst case scenario, I have a, a plan prepared for how to handle that. So remembering that hmm. also gave me so much peace of mind. So it, it was really connecting to the needs, which for me was so much about safety, security, and then finding ways to meet that need other than giving up on my dream, other than going back to my job. Okay. Interesting. With the backup plans, like you you did say like plan B, plan C, plan D. Yeah. How did you know that there was a point where, okay, I have enough contingency plans. I can go. Yeah. So it, it, in a way I would say it's, it's both in a way there, the part of me was still wanting more plans, kind of I wanted to go from A to Z, right? I wanted yeah. the whole alphabet and maybe going into some then repetitions, okay, A2, A, B2. <laughs> and okay, so so for me, it was, it was in a way like being able to satiate it enough where then, yeah, using, using some logic and some self-empathy, kind of I could ground myself in a little bit of reality of saying, okay, what is really the probability that these three or four, maybe it was five plans uh, won't go through. Okay. Mm. And then what's the worst case scenario then? And then ultimately mm. I, I kept coming back to, okay, the absolute worst case scenario is I lose everything and I can't get a new job and they don't take me back. And then what happens? Then what happens is I, I move back in with my parents and I don't have an income and I feel so embarrassed. Mm. And, and ultimately it was both seeing that the worst case scenario wasn't like a horrible painful death it was more like Mm. a horrible painful emotion of embarrassment and then learning to okay accept that that in a way embarrassment is a i know for me personally it's a huge limitation wanting to avoid embarrassment and seeing that okay i've done that before i've i i when i quit everything the first time i ultimately went back to my parents and Okay, and, and then maybe it was uncomfortable, it was embarrassing, and, and then I survived and I tried again. So ultimately, mm-hmm. I could repeat that. I'd rather not, but I saw yeah. that it wasn't the end of the line. Like I was, I was telling myself less than consciously, if, if this doesn't work, then it's the end of the line. So really, mm-hmm. I could describe it as giving my fear space. Like so often what I encounter from people is trying to squash the fear. Like no, yes. like, like fearless or, or, or uh, no, no fear or kind of like really trying to get rid of the fear. Yep. And I found that this doesn't really work for me. The fear is still there, no matter how many layers I put on top of it. So giving space to, ah, yeah, because the fear, what if I'm back in with my parents? And then I would <laughs> ask, yeah, so what if I do move back in with my parents? Well, that would be embarrassing. And then what about what about that? Okay, that would be embarrassing. And what about it? Well, that would be really embarrassing. And sort of hitting the bottom line, <laughs> I'm afraid of this emotion then made it so much more digestible that, okay, I can handle an emotion. It, it may be really uncomfortable. I might not like it. But if the worst case scenario is an unpleasant emotion, then I'm willing to take that risk. Wow. Do you think that 
giving space to your fear is something that just works for you or do you think it it's a really effective strategy for everybody i think it's it's absolutely necessary for someone wanting to create what's on the other side of the fear hmm. because for me the fear carries a valuable message in a way saying what do i need in order to get to the other side and if i'm just blind to what the fear is saying then i'm i find myself and, and and clients and other people that i've not necessarily worked with in a professional setting but say uh, personal transformation seminars where sort of my colleagues there something i've experienced across the board right uh, that it's is so crucial to rather than than pretend that emotions aren't there to fully allow them and to perhaps hear what wisdom they carry the wisdom might be distorted like mm. no no it'll never work okay what's the message in there i need a lot of reassurance that this will work mm. so being able to give space enough to hear what are those emotions really wanting i it's it's it's, it's a, an approach that i use with my coaching clients all the time and something that i find is is really moving because the norm in my experience is kind of to pretend that those things aren't there kind of like yeah. big boys and big girls aren't scared and and <laughs> sort of like the idea that we're not supposed to have certain emotions or or guilt or shame or fear and then in in so pushing those down like carl jung would say until we make the unconscious conscious it'll direct mm. our lives and we'll call it fate then that right. fear will direct our lives and we'll call it fate we'll say well no it just can't work it just won't work for me it's just not possible and that's really the fear speaking from beneath the surface so i find mm. it it's actually a, a very effective strategy mm yeah i th i think so too does fear always have a message is the fear always valid in in some sense in in my experience uh yes like the message might be okay I tend to I tend to exaggerate things. Maybe that's the message. Maybe the message points to me to look at my tendency to over exaggerate things or maybe the fear is very practical like okay, I'm I'm afraid to when I when I think about letting go of the wheel as I'm driving, I'm scared to do that. Yeah, mm. then the message there's pretty obvious. Yeah, mm. cuz then I exponentially increase my chances of crashing. Mm. And and okay, so if it's like I'm I'm afraid to take this jump. Okay, yeah the message is there i want reassurance the message is there i don't believe in myself the message in 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 there is i need a lot of support i need a lot of reassurance uh in in order to to believe in myself so i i think that that there is always some valuable message that the fear can point to mm yeah okay so so what happened when you started your life coaching practice like i imagine you didn't get a lot of clients right away Well, what was helpful is that I I was already building my practice simultaneously, so I already had uh, a baseline. Now it wasn't uh, it wasn't sufficient to to fully transition my income to coaching. So, but but definitely I, I already had enough of a base where I wasn't starting from zero. So again, that was part of my strategy not to make a an abrupt jump. So I sort of built my coaching practice. I wouldn't necessarily say as much as I could, but as much as I as I maybe could uh given the the fact that i wasn't giving fully my energy so with whatever percentage of energy i had i already had some uh something in place and what i would say happened then is yeah i i i didn't get all the clients right away uh but what i found is that through consistency actually it sort of took care of itself in a way uh now not to say that i didn't do any work 
uh, for sure it required my consistency of of dedicating my time and what i would find is the more that i would dedicate my time my energy my thoughts towards my my coaching practice i was successful and sometimes not not directly connected to what i did like for example i can think of my my uh nvc courses sometimes i would take hours and hours and hours to message people that had previously expressed interest or that would mark going or that would RS rsvp and mm -hmm. i would always fill my courses to the extent that i wanted though it wasn't necessarily the people that i had messaged and mm -hmm. and so for me this is this comes back to the principle of work like everything depends on me and pray like everything depends on god that <laughs> it's not necessarily a direct connection to my work but that my putting in the work is sending a message whether we call it god or universe krishna as you mentioned earlier the divine yeah. that we're sending the message i'm really sincere about this and some and i find that i'm not necessarily the cause of of the results but i can send the message this is really important to me and and then things might work out in a different way wow that's it's that's really cool. <laughs> did did you do other stuff in terms of marketing or is it mainly like direct messages like that? So, okay. So for my courses, yeah, for my courses, um, it, it was first just, uh, yeah, making the Facebook event and sort of sharing it with people that, again, I already had a small following with my life coaching page with, uh, I'm, I'm one of the founding members of a, an entity called the Gainesville Nonviolent Communication. So that was a a collective of four, now five of us that uh, were based in Gainesville that would share nonviolent communication together. So sometimes it was yeah, manually reaching out and, and then eventually I, I ventured a little bit into uh, Facebook ads and I found that that really, uh, really boosted the success of my courses. This was around the time of the pandemic when things weren't virtual. So then mm -hmm. making the ads is something that I started exploring with. And, and so for example, now, within within just a few months uh this was in march of last year when actually i was in the middle of a course it was a nine-week nbc course and the, we did the last three sessions online due to the whole pandemic thing that started and then after that the courses became fully online and and now i get to work with people all around the world which is so fulfilling for me to get to uh, extend my reach so yeah i mean some of it was was word of mouth some of it uh was was the Facebook ads. Some of it was regularly offering uh, free courses. So this mm -hmm. is something that we still do. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, last Wednesday, I offered a, um, a free course, a free workshop rather than, than a full on course, a free workshop on looking at depression through the lens of nonviolent communication. And, and the next Wednesday, I'll, I'll be offering an introductory workshop into nonviolent communication. So for me, finding ways to, to give to give value upfront is something that I'm that I've been doing to some extent and something that I'm curious to learn how to do more and more in, in ways that that feel enriching to me how to give value mm -hmm. upfront right in in the Facebook ads what's the message that you you put in the in the ads or what, what's the like the blurb the short version of of how yeah. you advertise your services yeah um so good question I'm kind of on the spotlight here, what message? <laughs> uh, so I, I believe, um, I believe one of the one of the more common ones that I use. I, I haven't done a whole lot of testing. I've tested a couple different versions, but 
really mm. I, I found either I got lucky or I'm really blessed or somebody <laughs> in, in the realm of the universe likes me. That's sort of the first kind of thing that I tried seemed to work pretty well. And so I there's room for me to grow and I, I haven't done so much so much growing. But the message that I put mm. is uh, violence, um, the, the root of violence. Uh, gosh, what is it? The, the, the root of violence. No. Uh, yeah. Gosh, really on the spot here. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I might have to get back to you on that, or hopefully throughout the interview, it'll it'll come back to me. But it, it, it's, okay. it's one quote from Marshall Rosenberg, who is the uh, the founder of nonviolent communication. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, maybe you can tell me later. Um, what about a, a challenge for the live coaching? Like having finished a session, do you ever feel exhausted, or do you always feel liberated? Like like you brought something wonderful out of a person. Or what's what is that what is that experience like? Yeah. So okay, and also I I remembered the quote. Uh, yeah. So I, I, maybe I'll come back to that after I answer the question. That okay. I, I would say generally, yeah, generally I feel I feel very alive. I feel energized from it myself. And then to the extent that I that I'm attached to my own agenda for what the client's worth or not not worth uh, value, what their growth, what their hmm. healing. Uh, what they're getting value in the session should look like whenever I'm attached to my own agenda, then I find I'm more likely to be drained because then I'm, mm. I'm sort of trying to push towards some finite outcome. And that then the more that I'm really present and allowing the, the client's process to unfold as it is, then generally there's very little drain on me. And if anything, it's, it actually gives to me because I'm getting to witness uh, mm. growth, evolution, self-realization, which for me is very enjoyable. Hmm. So what's the method for letting go of those expectations? Yeah. So the, the, the first, uh, I would say the first step, I believe that there's, there's a cliche somewhere right? that the, the, the first step is awareness that hmm. for me, it's about, uh, in a way, continuously monitoring that what, what's, what's my purpose? What's my intent? What's my agenda? Do I have an agenda? Hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I, I never do. Sometimes I do. And, uh, hmm. Sometimes it gets in the way. Sometimes it might be helpful if, if my agenda matches what the client wants my agenda to be. And sometimes if hmm. if if that's not uh, clearly enough expressed, I might have an agenda that's even slightly different and that then uh, not that they don't get value, but that then it, it requires effort on my part rather than being present. And hmm. so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say something that helps me is one is sort of to remind this, uh, remember this thing that to the extent I'm attached, I'm less present with them. And so I'm probably offering less value because mm. I know I've had time and time and time again, experiences of either being present with someone or someone being present with me in a way that there's, at least in my experience, no agenda and that it's incredibly powerful, whether it's in a coaching session or in a friendship or maybe even a, a stranger. And just that these, mm. these brief moments, even brief moments, sometimes prolonged moments, of, of pure empathy are so transformative that I know I want to remember more and more that actually there's, there's another quote that I very much like that empathy is effective because it doesn't require a solution. It requires only understanding. And for me, empathy is the right. vast foundation of my practice is how to really enter and understand the client's world, especially from their point of view where this doesn't require to find a solution. 
even if like somebody is in distress, it's very different to be in distress and to be alone than it is to be distressed and to have somebody really get very precisely my distress. That alone is so life changing. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting because yeah, with with my clients, I always try to find some action that they they can take. Maybe um, maybe I don't always need to do that. Maybe sometimes just understanding is enough. I I I find I find that it's it's a, it's a, at the very least it's needed because a, a yes. thing that I like to follow is that every quality coaching session we could replace coaching with therapy support healing whatever it might be mm-hmm. includes awareness raising and that then mm-hmm. many if not most sessions will include some action planning but mm-hmm. I I like the analogy that if I go to a doctor and I say hey I have this pain in my back if the doctor just gives me medication right away without without really understanding the nature of the pain, then yep. the action, the solution might not be so effective. We could take that analogy anywhere, right? If I go to the physical therapist, oh, my leg hurts. Oh, we'll do this exercise. Well, without yes. really understanding the nature, we decrease the chances that the action will be helpful. So, right. so, in, so in a way, I, I really like to start with the awareness because sometimes I might have ideas of what I think will be helpful for the client. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, maybe often, but at the very least, sometimes I find, oh, that's not where the client went. Sort of like that. Mm. I believe the client knows what's best for them because they're the expert in their own lives more than I yes. am. I like to think of myself as an, as an expert in facilitating uh, people to, to become aware of their yes. own expertise. So that, yes, sometimes I might have an idea and sometimes my intuition is right. And I don't want to discredit that. I think that there's, there's value in going there that I find really to take into time so that we both really understand the nature. Sometimes actually they don't even need a particular action for that particular challenge because even becoming aware of their own perspective was sufficient to change. And then of course, I, I also like to always be ready, ready to, to offer some suggestions for actions that they might take to then put, put that into practice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I do like to say like, in life and in meditation, a lot of the time we don't need to to find a solution to something or we don't need to stop something. Like if I'm sitting in meditation and there's some recurrent thought or something or even a desire to fantasize or to let my mind wander, I don't need to say, oh, that's that's the wrong way to think about this. I shouldn't have that desire or that kind of thing. I can just say, okay, I acknowledge that there's this desire there and soon enough things start to change. Yes. Yes. Sort of like I hear you echoing how with the awareness itself, already the transformation changed, already there's a transformation, a change Mm -hmm. of experience that we can say sometimes insight leads to action. Sometimes action Mm -hmm. leads to insight. And so I I like to have both. Mm -hmm. Where sometimes, yeah, sometimes what's really needed is, okay, yeah, I have the fear and I have this and I'm going to take action anyway. And sometimes it's really about kind of like you said, raising awareness about what's happening. And then there's already a transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what your reading list is like. Like some some books that I really love, uh, what is it called? The Skilled Helper by Jared Egan. Do you know that one? Um, I have heard of it. I, I, I might even um, have it, but I, I don't believe that I have read that one yet. Okay, fair enough. It's really good. Uh, another one is Carl Rogers on Becoming a Person. Uh-huh. 
I have a I I, I haven't read this also, but I I do have um uh, a quote that I yeah. that I uh, very much like. It's it's not by Carl Rogers. It's by Carl Jung. But it says, "Know all the theories, master all the techniques. But as you touch a human soul, be just another human soul." Remind mm. me of the title of that book that you mentioned. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's very much related to it. What what other books? Uh, uh, you read some Jung, obviously. So. Uh, I in indirectly, so I, I I do um I do follow many many quotes to really point to to some yeah. some of these principles. Uh, so for example, um, I focus uh, the majority of 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 my work on nonviolent communication, and so I, I follow different teachers. I, I really like to focus on on the founder. He mm -hmm. he passed away some six years ago, so he he's no longer alive in in, in his physical body. But you know, there, there's many workshops, many. Uh, recordings like that. And so his book, Nonviolent Communication, that, that's what the book is called. Uh, I highly mm -hmm. recommend it to anybody and everybody. That's so much the foundation of, of the work that I do. Um, another book that has been a big influence for me is called uh, Relationships That Work, The Power of Conscious Living. And, and that's by one of my, my mentors um, yeah. in an institute called Satvatov, S-A-T-V-A-T-O-V-E, Satvatov Institute. And that's that's where I've done a lot of my my communication skills training, my life coach uh, training, attending different personal growth seminars, both as a participant, as a as an assistant. And so these two books for me are like the two legs that I stand on. Mm. Um, and so I, I like to currently I'm doing most of my uh, receiving new information through uh, through podcasts, podcasts or mm. Or like I mentioned, the workshop recordings. I really like to listen to Marshall Rosenberg, so I've uh, been listening to a lot of, of recorded workshops and different programs that he's done, uh, and I find it somehow more more personal. This, yep. this form of learning right now. I mean, I absolutely love books. I absolutely love learning, um, and right now I'm I'm liking to be able to sort of hear it. I, I've been getting in the habit of any time that I have free time where I'm not writing or typing or talking to someone listening to to some trainings or some workshops being conducted and i i really am liking to learn in this way right now that's awesome where do you get those rosenberg recordings yeah so um you know you, you can find it in so many places right now i found a a source that i really like on uh what's it called spotify there's yeah. uh i just searched nbc and it was actually the first one that popped up and it's tons and tons and tons of recordings of Marshall Rosenberg uh, in different workshops all around the world. Some of it is him narrating his own book or books. Yeah, he, he has a, a couple of, of main books. Um, yeah, so that, that's currently where I'm I'm going to for those. But you, you can find different things on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna look into that. This, that sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think if, for those people out there who might be stuck in their nine to five job and, and they don't know what to do, or they, they have that inkling that there's something out there for them. Yeah. What do you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what, I, what I recommend is, is to get a coach, get a coach. Hmm. I mean, it's a help. Maybe you call it a helper, but I'll, I'll call it a coach to, to yep. get a coach to, to really, because, because for me, I find there's already a huge difference in getting clear on what we want. And I, I remember one client um, told me uh, maybe, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, that she's had the experience that working with me, that there's there's this profound experience of, 
of becoming aware of what she secretly or deeply wants that she wasn't aware of. And wow. this is already so powerful because sometimes people have, I mean, kind of everybody can relate to wanting to be happy, kind of having like a vague sense of what do I want in life? I want to be happy. But this is, this is vague enough that it's not going to move me to do something. If anything, it might even contribute to my unhappiness because I know that I, I just know that I don't have the happiness. So then getting really crystal clear, you not even crystal clear, but, but getting clear enough where I can have a vision to work towards. If I'm walking towards being happy, I don't know what that looks like. Do I walk north or do I walk south? <laughs> do, do I walk this way or that way? So getting really clear on, okay, being happy. And then in this moment, what's your vision of what that looks like? For example, to really allow yourself to want what you want. Because the, the desires I find, they're already there. They're just, again, they're beneath the conscious surface. And, and then may, maybe I've learned to keep them at bay because maybe... Maybe I've been ridiculed for, for having my preferences or my desires or I've been discouraged or whatever it might be that there, there, there might be pain. For sure, there might be discomfort or, or for me, like embarrassment, right, in discovering. But mm -hmm. really to get very clear, what am I wanting? What does that really look like? Like for me, right, it started with I want to help people, but that took me mm -hmm. through various iterations. Oh, Reiki, oh, body work. I know, okay, it's, it's coaching. It's helping people very practically in their lives, very practically in, interpersonally in their relationships. And I really like to do it through communication. Just for me, before even studying any of this, I was already passionate about communication. So really to get clear, what am I wanting? So that's point B, what am I wanting? And then also getting crystal clear, where am I now? Because if I, if I tell myself, well, I'm, I'm not really so unhappy where I'm at right now, then that's also less motivation that I'm going to have. Like if I, if I tell myself, well, no, it's pretty okay where I'm at right now, I'm going to be less motivated to get to point B than if I'm like, no, really, when I'm honest with myself, I'm quite unfulfilled. Then, then this becomes the fuel, right? To then, to, because, mm. okay, kind of like, as, as like the, the physical part of us, sort of like the mammalian brain, the, the more primitive part of our brain, survival means like conservation of energy that i want yep. to put the least amount of effort and and then kind of just cruise along and so i'm gonna need something to motivate me to to get up and do the thing to to take the risk to to do something different to go through the discomfort so both i find are so important knowing where i want to go close enough at least like the neighborhood i i, I might not know the exact address of where i want to go but knowing at least the neighborhood at least the zip code to give an analogy of, of where I'm going. And then also to know pretty dang clearly where am I at right now? Because now mm. we have point, point B and point A. And so then naturally there's a, a path that joins them. It might not be a straight line. Generally it isn't for most people, but we can begin to draw a straight line and then obstacles can, we can allow the obstacles to surface along the way and then figure out ways to work through those obstacles so that they're not really obstacles. They're more simply considerations about how we get there. And I like to give the analogy that if I'm very, very clear, I am going grocery shopping today, then even if the road that I normally take is closed, I don't just say, well, <laughs> I guess that sucks. I won't eat for this. I'll try this. No, no, I'm clear. I'm dedicated. I just try a different road. And if it's that I get there, uh, like today, I didn't have this clear intention. I got to the grocery store, realized I forgot my wallet. And I said, well, that's fine. I'll try it another day. But normally, hmm. like if I have the clear intention, I get to the grocery store. Ah, okay. Maybe it's that maybe it's that I I go back home 
and I get my wallet or maybe it's like, hey, I asked somebody there, hey, can I Venmo you $50 right now? And can, can you give me cash or buy these groceries for me that we don't need to let obstacles get in the way. They can simply mm -hmm. become considerations that we consider along the way. But that requires the very clear intention of knowing and being committed to where I'm going. So I would say, yeah, get a coach. Uh, and if you have a nine to five, then uh, my sense would be that you can you can probably afford to pay for one. You might be able to find a, a free resource, but that if you do have the nine to five, you might be able to, to to pay for someone that that will be dedicated in your life to really support you and getting clear on what you want and and then help you achieve it faster than you might otherwise. Hmm. Okay, I I have a question about that. So with with somebody who is in a kind of homeostasis or the, they're comfortable where they are, they're in this maybe a kind of stagnation even. What what can they do to either get uncomfortable or to bring that aspiration to, to something greater? What do you do in that situation? Well, my, my first curiosity would be if that's something that they want. Like mm. kind of if they're really happy where they're at and there's no part of them that wants to grow or move or this way or that way. Mm. And I would say, well, maybe there's nothing to do. Now, I'd, I'd wonder about that because I, I find that growth is is such a strong human need whether whether growth whether whether that means like a little child wants to grow up and be big or whether mm -hmm. growth means that i like to continuously hone my skills whether that's in cooking or in 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 music or in my profession or in chess whatever it is like i find it's a very natural sort of like the nature of spirit is to expand and mm -hmm. then for me spirit is superior to matter so that the soul is constantly wanting to expand so i find that it's very natural so i would say okay, maybe someone's like, no, I've done so much expanding and right now I just want to take a break. Okay, mm. then that's great. That's awesome. And then if someone's like, well, yeah, I, I want to grow, but I, I don't know how, then I would say again, get a coach or, or someone who can give you the kind of presence that allows this stuff to unfold. So much of what inspired me to become a coach would be I just, I really enjoyed listening to people and putting my own words to what they said. And people would say things like, wow, you can, put, you can put my thoughts into words better than I can. And it really mm. helps me to understand where I'm at. I would hear things like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I don't know why I'm crying to you. I've never told anybody this, not even my girlfriend. Yeah, so I would find <laughs> yeah I've also had those experiences. Yeah. Yes, you, you <laughs> relate that like by creating the space, we're in a way creating a vacuum and that mm. nowhere in the universe does a vacuum exist. It's automatically filled. So it's not that we force people to, to open up and to discover, but in a way they're so compelled to because there's a space there and it's got to be filled with something. And if we hold the space for deep, meaningful communication, I find more often than not, that's generally what it's filled with. And that sooner or later, what that person might want will come up. Mm. All right. Another question. With the various changes in career that you had do you think it would it would ever be possible like if if you went back you know 20 years of your life or for somebody who's uh just coming of age now would it be possible to just go directly to what they really want or do you have to experiment throughout your life and try different things to to find what's what you're really called to yeah I, I love the question. Uh, I love the question. I, I can see at least some elements in both 
that mm. I think it, it might be possible at least to get very close. Uh, and I find that it's it's quite, uh, it would probably be very challenging to do so, at, at least in the sort of in the culture and in, in like the uh, postmodern or westernized culture that I grew up in to do mm. so because of kind of the influences that we have where general things are are encouraged, general things are discouraged. And I find overall the education system it's not really all that educating. It certainly doesn't doesn't ask us, well, what do you feel and what do you want out of life? I find it's mm -hmm. more like you need to do these things and these things suck and it's good if you're an engineer and it's bad if you're this thing. Mm. It's quite, I think it, if if there's not like uh, the proper environment, it's it, like, for example, I went into engineering because I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was really good at math and people said, well, if you're good at math, then you do engineering. Said, okay, well, I'm good at math, so I guess I'll do engineering. Mm. And so, because I didn't have a kind of environment that supported uh, self exploration for, well, what what's really meaningful to me, and and oh, and like needs that I want fulfilled, or or like let alone feelings, like that this isn't part for me, is it, is not a part for me of like the normal uh, uh, education system or or the conditioning that at least most people that I know, given what where I live. Uh, that most people receive. So I would say that would make it quite hard, but I, I certainly think that it's possible if say from the very beginning, there, there, there's an encouragement of, of becoming clear on, on what somebody likes, sort of like the, I don't know if you're familiar with like Montessori uh, education, mm -hmm. where sort of the children are giving some structure, but it's really more or less up to them to decide what they explore and how they explore it. I, in a way I wish, oh, wow, what would, what would my life be like if I had grown up in that kind of an environment? So I, I think it's mm. possible. I think it's not very, um, very common, uh, given again, sort of some of the, the systemic uh, structures that are in place. And yeah, I mean, okay. Like the, the average is that most people change on average, like seven times their, their field or their profession, uh, by the time they settle on something. So I think also mm. that, exploration is sort of is sort of part of that 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 discovery right we can do the exploration in montessori school or we can do the exploration in the quote-unquote real world where we're mm. refining in a way i can see how i was progressively getting closer to coaching like first with with reiki okay i'm, I'm working with people and then okay i wanted to work with people in a more practical way so then that was massage it's like it, it's a more immediate change but that still wasn't mm. quite it and i want to help people practically but also in a way that's that's not like just pertaining to the body. I'm using the body to help to, to ground in presence. But I really want to help people like sort of connect with their passions and, and organize their thoughts and achieve what they want. And so for me, that, that there is also a natural refinement. Like I mentioned, we might know the neighborhood. And then when we're in the neighborhood, we might know like the subdivision in the neighborhood. And then we might find the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that raises an interesting question and, and some something you touched on before. This, I, I think, a lot of people don't really know the power of of being multi, multidisciplinarian, like ha having more than one modality to to teach or heal or whatever it is. What insight do you gain having been a massage therapist for for your life coaching? How does it spill over? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the question. And, and for me, it ties into, in a way, sort of what we were just speaking about also that hmm. in a way, okay, so in a way it does require refinement because if we get really to the true essence that 
kind of every individual has their own individual profession, meaning like there might be another, uh, there's plenty of other NVC instructors, but you know, everybody has their own flavor, maybe their own niche, yep. their own also background that's going to influence their sharing. So whether, whether you're a, a, a CBT practitioner, a life coach that for me having, yeah, these, like you're saying these multiple backgrounds hmm. helps, helps to find the unique voice of, of that practitioner. So kind of like, okay, for, for me with body work, like I was mentioning, yeah, that the body can be, can be a readily available tool. And like, for example, ultimately I can see also not particularly right now with, with the pandemic, but for example, uh, working also through body work in coaching, like more practically combining those two where we can find, okay, where's the fear in the body? We might, mm. we might just guide somebody, uh, uh, like okay yeah so so close sometimes i do processes like that right so close your eyes and and then notice where's the fear in the body sometimes mm -hmm. it's just a purely audio sort of guided process but for example then you could combine uh body work so okay then playing on of hands and then even just even that there, there might not even be like actual tissue work but then you can also go into modalities like rolfing or or trauma-based body work where then you're actually working to find the different emotions, the different experiences, the trauma, the et cetera, that are in the tissue through body work. So for me, it's like wow. having multiple backgrounds can help to, to, to bring out the individual flavor of each practitioner, which for me is also a, sort of a sign of, of maturity, not like, mm -hmm. oh, and you're so immature, but that like to the extent that somebody finds their own unique voice, then in a way they're mm -hmm. cultivating maturity in their practice because they're not just replicating somebody else's work, they're actually oh, integrating yes. it into their personality. Yes. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Another question about strengths and, and weaknesses. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to formulate this question. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I asked a similar question before about, about how uh, the payoff was greater because you, you were naturally scared of change. But you're also... Uh, naturally a, a, a more academic person, I guess, or a mathematically minded person. Mm -hmm. So how does it, <laughs> let's, let me, <laughs> let me try to think about this. How, how does it work that a person ha has a mathematical mind naturally, uh, but then decides to do these other things? Why do you, why do you think that happens that, that people, are actually more attracted to things that that are contrary to their nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so I, I I I like the question, and I guess my response, at least with me, I don't know how it might be for others, but at least yeah. for me, I don't know if I would necessarily say that I find it uh, contrary or contradictory. Yes. Okay, I, I find like, for example, actually a, a, a coaching client recently said that they really liked my approach in coaching, that they found it very like very practical, very methodical, very step-by-step. Step. And so in a way I, I can see correlation with mathematics where okay, it's mm. like a very practical thing. It's not esoteric. It's like you have numbers and then you do different functions with them and then you come out with a different number or a set of numbers or equations, et cetera. Okay, it requires mm. sort of like a methodical step-by-step -step process. You don't just haphazardly put the, the numbers together in random ways. You follow a system to get the, mm -hmm. to, to the accurate answer. And so I, I can see overlaps for example, in being able to use methodical processes, 
not not like to become formulaic. I, I definitely don't encourage to be formulaic in any kind of supporting role that like you need to follow this formula, but that, for example, to be aware of, of different processes, of different tendencies, of being very methodical of you don't just jump from, well, I'm unhappy to, okay, so then what needs to be done? Again, so, okay, so first we raise awareness and then we find the need and then we mm. explore what are the obstacles that you already have, otherwise you would have done the thing. And so we can find uh, ways that we can uh, we can apply the, the quality. I'm not working mm -hmm. with numbers when I'm talking with someone, but okay, the idea of organizing information, that's, for example, a thing that we find in math, like a word problem, right? Uh, okay. Susie has whatever, right? Three apples and then she walks a mile and then John is here and he walks half number of miles with twice number of apples, whatever, right? And then you need to put all the information together in a way that makes sense. I, I find so much of this in coaching. There's a, there's a meme where there's two people talking, one person has a speech bubble and it's kind of like a, a scribbled knot and then the thread goes over to the coach's speech bubble and then it's uh, in a coil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for example, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, you've seen that. I, I think it's fairly common. So, for example, like this, where you can take uh, a bunch of information and then methodically you can you can wrap it in a way that's now ordered, structured. It's more efficient. It's more effective. It makes sense. You can apply a a, a logical process to it. Again, not to be like purely logical. Emotions mm -hmm. are so much the foundation of how this all works. But this is like. This is why I would say it's, I, I don't find that it's necessarily contrary to my nature. It's a different mm -hmm. way of expressing that nature, perhaps different from what most people's first idea of how to apply a, a, a mathematical or an intellectual or a, a logical mind might be. Yes, that, that makes so much sense, actually. Yes, it, it's like there's this square idea that a mathematician needs to, needs to, yeah, actually be a mathematician or a physicist or something, but it, there's actually a, a whole range of ways that that analytical ability could be applied. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly where, okay, somebody that's mathematically oriented, maybe they get into real estate because, yeah, hmm. okay, so many numbers as you're calculating cash flow and, and after repair value and expenses and this and that. Okay, hmm. somebody doesn't think of like, oh, well, that, that's not like, a mathematics field but like th there is so much math where being knowledgeable in math could help and so for me mm. it can also be helpful it, 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 in a way it comes back to the nvc idea of we have needs and then we can think of many different ways to meet those needs we mm. have like the needs we could say those are like qualities like the the mathematically oriented mind or the mind that likes to work with pieces and manipulate data to make sense of it and then we could find so many ways in which we can apply or or fulfill that particular quality. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Ezekiel? Um. Yeah. I mean, I I want to say b both both NVC and 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 life coaching have have really transformed my life. I I, I want to say like with NVC has ongoingly really uh, allows me to shift away from a consciousness where. I'm pointing the finger where something or someone is wrong or bad hmm. to into really seeing the world more and more. And it's not that I'm there, but that I aspire to cultivate more and more seeing a world where everyone is doing their best to meet their needs. And hmm. it's something that allows me to um, get rid of what are called my enemy images, sort of the idea that uh -huh. there's good guys and bad guys. So that makes it already a more enjoy enjoyable world for me to live in. 
And then, yeah, because so much of the conversation that we were talking about, okay, if somebody wants to make a career change or if they're stuck in this way or they're not clear what they want, I, I want to emphasize again how valuable, how transformative it's been for me to to have a life coach that's really dedicated to supporting me through those things. And, and I know that I'm so grateful to get to play that role for others that I really want to highlight how valuable that is. Mm, that's, that's great. Uh, how can we... Uh, Get, how can we see your, your free seminars and uh, how can we get your uh, coaching expertise, your coaching services? Sure. So you can find me on my website, sasanchez.com. That's E-Z-E-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Eze Sanchez uh, Life Coach. And uh, you can also follow Gainesville Nonviolent Communication if you'd like on Facebook as well, uh, by hitting one or three of those, then you'll, you'll definitely hear about the, the upcoming workshops. You'll hear about my longer courses, about my services and, uh, any offers that I might be having. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank, thanks so much for sharing your story. Absolutely. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me here, Kurt. A beautiful thought. Thanks for coming along for the ride with us. I asked S.A. about the quote that he mentioned from Marshall Rosenberg that he used in his marketing, and it's this, The root of violence is the belief that others are responsible for our pain and therefore deserve to be punished. And I think this often expresses itself in nonviolent communication when we take responsibility for our own emotions. So instead of saying, you made me feel like this, we say, I feel like this when this happens. (laughs) So it's a very different attitude. And as as I said, it can even go to spiritual depths when we're looking at that world through our frame, seeing things as parts of ourselves or as, as habits that we have. It was interesting when I met as a, I was walking to the Expiatorio in Guadalajara. So they put on a, a night market Saturdays and Sundays near the temple in the plaza in the middle of town. And a couple of streets away, walking there, and I heard a couple of people talking English. And I heard a very strange phrase out of context. Essay said something like, yeah, because then... Uh, fire might shoot out my butt or something. I can't remember what it was exactly. And uh, I turned around like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, that led me get, getting into a conversation with these three people, three uh, devotees of, of Krishna. And, well, I say later explain the context for, the, <laughs> for that comment. There's something about eating flaming hot Cheetos and, you know, it can be uncomfortable coming out. Anyway, <laughs> the the reason I tell you that story is because maybe we don't realize all the time, but every time we, we go out into the world and even, you know, maybe you're not going so much out into the world these days, but even on, on social media or whatever it is, there might be some opportunity to make some connection. And very interesting things can happen just when you're willing to 
say hi or reach out to a stranger or even be puzzled by their remark when, when you're eavesdropping. So it's it's kind of cool. I, I really like that about life, that you can just make connections so randomly or so faithfully. I'll just leave you with this final thought. Thinking about what Essay said about how his natural capabilities or his natural tendencies did have the potential to be applied in all kinds of ways and eventually using those analytical skills to go through this methodical process and help people with their problems. So it makes me wonder, like, what what strengths do I have? What strengths do you have that we think maybe they've been locked up into a box and we think we have to use them in a particular way, like with engineering for, for a naturally analytical person or computer programming or something like that. What could we use those things for? What might be even more fulfilling? What might be even more creative or exciting or revitalizing, energizing for us? So I just wanted to pose that question for you and for me. Thanks for listening. Remember to check out Essay's website, essaysanchez.com, E-Z-E-S-A-N, chez.com and my website beautifulpodcast.com please if you enjoyed this episode if you got something out of it maybe got a fresh perspective from Ezekiel there please feel free to share this with your friends maybe share it on social media or send a message to one of your friends saying I really like this episode and I think you might like it because give them a little reason to listen and tune in. And most importantly, have a wonderful day.